What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. If you're a Kia K5 GT and Kia Forte GT owner, this is your reminder to breathe. See that sophisticated interior? Enjoy those sensations. And now, imagine how you look from the outside and that speed that only a Kia GT sedan can give you. Sorry, I can't help but get excited. For those lives full of thrilling emotions, the all-powerful, all-fun Kia GT sedans. Kia, movement that inspires. Limited inventory available. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Fibber and Molly join us in a moment. Say, men, take advantage of this surprising offer. Buy a can of Johnson's Car New at the regular price and get a soft, fleecy woolen car dusting mitt at no extra cost. The mitt fits right over your hand like a glove. It keeps your hands clean as you wipe off road dust. It makes it easy for you to maintain the Car New shine. Now here's all you do to get this 49-cent value mitt. Just buy a can of Johnson's Car New, the amazing liquid car polish that cleans and shines your car in one easy operation. The mitt is attached to the can. There's nothing to send in, nothing extra to pay. Just ask your dealer for Johnson's Car New and get your mitt. Better keep it in the car, though. Wives find it the perfect dusting mitt for home use. Remember, a washable, fleecy, soft car dusting mitt. It's yours with a can of Johnson's Car New. Nobody can be more nauseatingly pious about being a good citizen than the fellow who spends his life getting traffic citations fixed, dodging jury duty, and forgetting to vote. Like the fellow at 79 Wistful Vista sounding off to his wife right now as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. And as I have always said, my dear, any chap who refuses to do jury duty is simply not a good citizen. That isn't what I remember you're always saying. It ain't? No. As nearly as I can remember, you've always said that any peasant who got stuck for jury duty was a linthead. <laughs> and a yokel with no connections. Oh? And that if you ever got a jury summons, you had more ways of getting out of it than a bookworm in a loose-leaf diary. <laughs> I said that? You said that. <laughs> I certainly must have been joking. Oh, I can understand why a citizen like me hesitates to take his valuable time for cases of no consequence. No sensible judge is going to waste a guy's like me time. Uh, waste a guy like me's time. I mean, waste a guy's like me. What I mean is, I am always ready to serve my community as a juror when a case comes up worthy of my misjudgment. Mm. <laughs> I see by tonight's gazette that the bus company is suing the city of Wistful Vista for $500,000 damages. I read that too, dearie. Mm -hmm. 
The bus company says their equipment is being ruined by the bad paving. That's right. And I believe it. I got on a bus last week, and when I handed the conductor my fare, he gave me a crash helmet and four Band-Aids. <laughs> yeah. There's a chuck hole full of water on 14th Street that's getting so big, the city don't know whether to fill it in or stock it with big moth bass. <laughs> Anyway, a lawsuit like that is big enough to need men like me on the jury, and I've decided to serve. When did you get your summons? I didn't get any summons. I'm volunteering. <laughs> is there a ventriloquist in the room? I recognize the voice, but the words are so strange. I says I'm volunteering. A case involving half a million bucks needs men of my caliber. Besides, six bucks a day in meals McGee. is nothing. Huh? <laughs> You remember the last time you volunteered for something? When was that? The time the magician at the Bijou asked for a volunteer and you stepped on the stage, tripped over the footlights, and fell into the bass drum? <laughs> I'll say I remember it. The orchestra was sleeping through the magician's act, and when I hit the drum, they thought it was a downbeat and started the overture again. <laughs> the stagehand heard it and opened the curtains, and when the electrician saw the curtains open, he turned on the house lights... And that was the cue for the acrobats, and ten tumbling Turks came cartwheeling across the stage. <laughs> Rabbits and pigeons and ducks flew in all directions, and the magician sat right down in the middle of the stage and cried like a baby. <laughs> and you said you'd never volunteer for anything again. Well, this is different, kiddo. This is a big case. In a case like this, they need twelve good men and true with judgment and discretion. Men of honor and distinction. Oh, not men of distinction. Huh? A hung jury is bad enough, but a hungover jury would be just... <laughs> come in, come in. Hello there, Mr. Oldtimer. Hello there, kids. <laughs> Hi, Oldtimer. Hey, you ever had any jury experience? Just how do you mean, Johnny? Experience in what? Taking them, serving on them, arguing before them, or bribing them? <laughs> Have you ever served on one? Yep. Long time ago, I was on a jury out west, kids. That's all. City of Tackleberry, Wyoming, versus Hackamore Huggins, charged with cruelty to animals. What kind of cruelty to what kind of animal? Well, he rid his horse into a movie theater and made it stand there right through two western pictures. <laughs> with singing cowboy. Well, hanging is too good for a man like that. Did he have a fair trial? He sure did, Johnny. Judge asks him, does he plead guilty or not guilty? Hackamore tells him to go fry a pack mule. The jury demands a writ of Marvis Trabinus, and the persecuting attorney leaps up and yells he's guilty of inciting the somnolience and malfeasance of forethought. The judge bangs his gavel down and says, for everybody to shut up, or he'll charge them all with dilatory repugnance, citing the old statute of 1897, which provides for injunctive discipline in cases of promenary arson and separate reluctance. <laughs> Sounds like quite a case. Uh, what was the verdict? Well, daughter, in the confusion, the court clerk got the papers all mixed up. Oh. Judge was convicted of bootlegging. The persecuting attorney got 40 years in the pokey for uttering. And the prisoner was awarded $12 a month alimony in custody of the bailiff. <laughs> Why, Jash, Johnny. <laughs> I just wondered how to get on a jury is all. 
There's a big case coming up downtown that needs guys like me on the jury. Why don't you come along? Oh, not me, Johnny. I don't like courtrooms. Guess I'm just allergic to policemen. Cops make you nervous? Nope. But all that blue surge makes me sneeze. <laughs> I remember one time Papa was being tried in court. Your father being tried for what? Reckless driving. Drove a golf ball through the mayor's bay window. What did he get? 28 days, two under par. I think legal work is so fascinating. My Uncle Dennis studied law, you know, but he just couldn't make the grade. Well, it's a pretty tough course, daughter. Uh, he didn't mind the course, but every time he tried to pass the bar, he got hit with a swinging door. <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny, but that ain't the way I hear it. <laughs> No, the way I hear it. One fellow says, the other fellow says, he says. Was the Democratic Party amused when they heard Henry Wallace was going to start a third party? Amused, says other fellow. Sharks, they thought they'd split. <laughs> Billy Mills in the orchestra, and beg your pardon. What do you mean, if they don't want me? Of course they'll want me. I'm a shrewd judge of character, got the kind of mind that can weigh evidence, and I play a smart game of contract bridge. What good is knowing how to play bridge? Oh, don't be naive, Tootsie. With 12 jurors locked up together for weeks and weeks, what do you think they do all that time, discuss the case? <laughs> I knew a guy once made 17 oh, wait a bucks. wait McGee. Here comes Mr. Williams, the weatherman. Huh? Where? Oh, hi, Foggy, old man. Hello, Mr. Williams. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. 
Nice day, isn't it? If I do say so on behalf of my entire department, which strives from day to day to correlate and disseminate pertinent information from our meteorological instruments for one and all. <laughs> Take it again from nice day, Foggy. <laughs> I got my foot caught in a dangling participle. <laughs> See, I'll bet you do have some mighty valuable instruments in your office, Mr. Williams. Oh, indeed we do, Mrs. McGee. Take our anemometer, for instance. Uh, that's the instrument which measures the velocity of the wind. Yes? Is that delicate? It is so delicate that it once registered a man practicing a trumpet solo in the back room of a Harlem nightclub. <laughs> with a derby hat over it. <laughs> How about humidity, Foggy? I suppose you can register the perspiration on a horse fly walking up a slippery horse on a hot day. <laughs> Oh, uh, we do better than that, McGee. Mm -hmm. Our instruments have indicated the approach of our district inspector at a distance of 3,000 miles. What ah. has your district inspector got to do with the humidity? He is a drip. <laughs> of course, the barometer is really the basic weather instrument. Accurate, is it, Mr. William? Almost too accurate, Mrs. McGee. It reacted very oddly every afternoon about five o'clock for a long time until we discovered what caused it. What was that? The janitor always came through about that time whistling stormy weather. <laughs> but for delicate instruments, you should see our seismograph. Seismograph? Does that tell what size a storm is going to be? <laughs> no. No, that registers disturbances of the Earth's crust, temblers, and earthquakes. How far away can it register in earthquakes, I? Well, it's not so much the distance, McGee, but the intensity. Oh? Our seismograph is so delicate that it registers the quiver on the back of the cigar store Indian at 14th and Oak Streets. <laughs> Come over and see it sometime. The quiver? The quiver. <laughs> Good day. Probably. little guy, Foggy, but I'm afraid he's inclined to exaggerate that stuff about the quiver on the cigar store. Uh-oh, here's the city hall, kiddo. Let's go in. My, I don't like public buildings. They always look like somebody had just moved out, leaving a lot of stuff they didn't want. Well, they got to have plenty of room for the red tape, Snooky. But the law didn't work like that when I and my brother Russ was deputy sheriffs out in Nevada with Uncle Sycamore. Mickey, you never told me you were a deputy sheriff. I never told you about when Russ and I were... You never did. Why, I thought I did. Well, sir, me and my brother Russell used to love to wrestle. And the place we used to love to wrestle was on a railroad trestle. Well. First, I'd wrestle Russell onto his bustle on the trestle, and then Russell would throw me on my bustle on the trestle. <laughs> So when Russell joined the posse to round up wrestlers, I joined old Russell in a hustle. Yes. And the first place we started wrestling wrestlers was on that same trestle. But Russell got shot in the hassle trying to muscle a wrestler on the trestle, and everybody made such a fuss over Russ with his trust that the guy of the trestle. Hold it, dearie. Here comes Mr. Wilcox. You who, Mr. Wilcox? Oh, hi, Junior. Hello, folks. What are you doing down here in these marble halls? Hmm. Marble season doesn't open for a couple of weeks yet. Well, himself's down here for jury duty, Mr. Wilcox. Yeah, that big bus company suit against the city is coming up, Junior, and they'll need the brainiest guys they can find on that jury. So... Oh, don't feel self-conscious, pal. You go right ahead. They won't all be smarter than you are. No, Mr. Wilcox. He means that Skip he... it. He wouldn't understand. <laughs> you ever been on a jury yourself, Junior? Once, pal, years ago, and I've never forgotten it. Oh? fellow had been arrested for manslaughter. But when I sat in that jury box and looked around, I could see right away it was murder. 
No kidding. Murder, eh? Absolutely murder. The way the fine woodwork in that jury box had been neglected and allowed to become scratched and marred. When Johnson's wax would have protected and preserved and beautified it. Goodness sakes, murder. So I stood up. Your Honor, I said, may I ask a question? You may, he said. So I said, Your Honor, do you realize that a liberal coat of Johnson's wax on the fine woodwork oh. in here will give it a luster and a beauty that will add good taste and dignity to your court? Oh, malfeasance. Do you realize, I said, that just as a housewife uses Johnson's wax to protect and beautify her most treasured possessions, oh. her fine furniture and woodwork and picture frames, so can you use Johnson's wax to bring out the beauty of your desk and your gavel and the frame around your law school diploma? Oh, he's making that up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a babble of voices, and the judge pounded his gavel on the desk. Lucky it wasn't on your head, Omaha. Order, he shouted. Order. I'll be glad to take your order, Your Honor. I replied graciously, taking out a pencil and a book of blanks, no, and I no, started to write up... No, no, Look, Waxy. Yes, pal? Get to the point, will you? You were trying a case when this started. How did it come out? Wonderful, pal. When the judge saw how Johnson's wax worked on the woodwork, he was so happy he dismissed the case. Uh, so long, folks. So long, I... Doesn't he think up the cutest... Uh, say, McGee, you should have asked Mr. Wilcox where to go. If he's been on a jury... I should have told Mr. Wilcox where to go. <laughs> he's been in a rut so long... Oh, hey, I wonder if that's the guy to see his office right there, where it says jury commissioner. Sounds logical. Well, come on, let's go in. Boy, these jury prickers will be so glad to have a man of my caliber in the box. Oh, you in charge here, sis? Yes. Uh, sit down there at the desk, please, and fill out a blank. Well, now, look, sis, I came down here... Just write out the reasons why you can't serve on the jury. Mr. O'Halloran will see you and give you an argument in a moment. But you see, miss, he came down here... I am not allowed to discuss the matter orally, madam. I told him to put his reasons for asking to be excused in writing. That rat it, sis, I don't want to be excused. I came down here... All to... right, Miss Bagel, who's next? I'm next, bud. I'm Fibber McGee, and this is my wife, Mrs. McGee. How do you do? I'm Mr. O'Halloran. How do you do, I'm sure. All right, McGee, why can't you serve on the jury? Business Our... matters are no excuse, you know. If you're sound of wind and limb, have a third-grade education, you can sign your name and you have to serve unless you've got connections down here, of course. <clears throat> Dad, Bennett, I'm trying to serve. I come down here to volunteer. I want to serve on the jury. Who sent you down here, McGee? If those punks on the south side are trying to discredit the administration again... Oh, no, no, Mr. O'Halloran. Nobody sent him. He hasn't even got a jury summons. That's why he... What? You mean to tell me we haven't even called you? No, I just happened to be a civic-minded guy, and I came this down... This is an outrage, McGee. Absolutely what? out of order. I wouldn't touch this thing with a ten-foot pole. We never let anybody off who hasn't been called. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't... No rules for this sort of thing at all. Never heard of such a thing. Sorry. Miss Bagel, I'm going into my office and lie down a while. Confusing having a man come in here and try to... <laughs> yeah, but hey, wait a minute, bud. Come back here. He can't... Please, Mr. McGee. Mr. O'Halloran's decision is final. He's lying down. Good day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm not lying down on this thing. By George. Come on, Molly. Let's get out of here. My. What a rude man. Uh... And him the jury commissioner. I wouldn't pay him a commission to get me on a jury to try a robin for stealing worms. Huh. What do we do now? Don't worry. This thing's got me up my back up now. I'll drag this thing right through the Supreme Court. That's what I'll drag this thing right through the soup. <laughs> I'll try every door in this building till I find somebody that'll... Hey, what's it say on that door? Women. Oh. <laughs> 
Well, I'll try every other door then. <laughs> I'm going to take this thing right to the... Oh, 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 look who's coming. Who? Doc Gamble. Hi, Doc. Hello, Petty Cash. Hello, Molly. Hello, Dr. Gamble. Nice to see you. What brings you down here, Satchel Tummy? Your medical license been revoked again? Not this time, my boy. Hmm. Although they warned me that I'm violating my sacred duty to humanity by continuing to keep you alive. I promise to think it over. Oh, yeah. Uh The only way you keep anybody alive is because I pour everything you give me out the kitchen window as soon as you leave. Really? Yeah. No wonder you can't grow any geraniums in that window box, my boy. Yeah, you said it. The only medicine you ever prescribed for me that was any help is those green pills you give me for a cold. They're terrific for opening up the drain in the kitchen sink. Well, he makes me tired. Let him alone, my dear. This is very informative. I've wondered for years what those green pills were good for. Incidentally, what brings you down here? Get another traffic ticket, bumper, bumper? No, I didn't get another traffic ticket, bumper, bumper. (laughs) And look who's making snide remarks. The way you weave through traffic, lead foot, looks like you were driving a sewing machine. Oh, McGee, now stop it. Just stop it this minute. Well, I can't stand the way he's he He's been acts. mistreated, Doctor. Is that possible? He came down here full of enthusiasm to volunteer for jury duty just to help out, and <laughs> all he's gotten is insulted. They've given him a bad time, Doctor. I say they've given me a bad time. My gosh, all I'm trying to do is be a good citizen for six bucks a day and transportation. And to make a good citizen out of you, that's cheap enough. <laughs> you betcha. By George, I come down here to be on a jury, and by George, I'm going to be on a jury. By George, if I have to stand the whole fiduciary system on its ears. A very worthy project, my boy. Why do these guys have to look at me like I was a crook? Try to be a good citizen, and everybody thinks you got an angle. I know how you feel. It's ridiculous. Of course it is. He's trying his best to help. Well, look, McGee, why don't you drop down and see the D.A.? He's a friend of mine. Oh, Mr. D.A., I've heard of him. Yeah, what time does he go on? 9.30, Eastern Standard. Oh, no! (laughs) Our district attorney, right down the hall here. Oh. Tell him I sent you, and just explain the whole thing to him, like you did to me. Swell, Doc. Tell him you have no angle. You just want to be a good citizen. That's right. Well, swell, Doc. Thanks a lot. I'll go see him. And McGee... Yeah? Before you go, just between us, old boy. Yes, pal. What is your angle? I haven't got it. Hey, what are you talking? I haven't got any. The King's Men and Betty Blue. Betty Blue has a lot of bows there at her beck and call. They all love her, and goodness knows, Betty likes them all. Betty Blue likes Bobby Gray, she likes Bill White too. Red White come round each night to woo young Betty Blue. Betty Blue likes Georgie Green, Tom Brown thrills her too. And all the town knows green and brown are sweet on Betty Blue. Each night the ribbon in her hair is gray, brown, green, or white. And the one whose color that she wears can stay and hold her tight. Does Betty Blue love gray or brown or green or white or who? Oh, Betty, Betty, who's your steady, pretty little Betty Blue? Charlie Black and ooh, she likes him too. Red and white got such a fright when they saw black and blue. 
was full of smiles at all the things Black said. You should have seen young brown and green, both of them so red. Each night they come around to see what ribbon she would wear. But for weeks and weeks she's only worn a black one in her hair. Now gray and brown and green and white are in an awful stew. Cause Betty's wacky over blacky, all those other boys by cracking. Gray, brown, green, white, all the blackies, they all are blue. Well, thanks a lot, Mr. D.A. You call the judge and tell him we'll be right over there. Well, come on, Molly, let's go. Thank you, sir. Save a lot of actors that way. (laughs) Wasn't he nice, McGee? Yeah. Now I think we're getting someplace at last. Where was it he said to go, dearie, Judge who? Judge Barton. He's the one trying the bus company case, and that's the jury I want to be on, kiddo. Boy, oh boy, six bucks a day just for sitting. Hey, here's the courtroom. Well, come on, kiddo, let's win. Ah, success at last. I'll say. Boy, what this town needs is more jurymen like me. When I get up there on Watch it, dearie. There's the judge. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, come right down here, please. Are you Mr. McGee? Uh, That's right, bud. Er, Your Honor. And uh, this is my wife, Mrs. McGee. How do you do? I'm sure. Mrs. McGee, the uh, district attorney just called me about you, Mr. McGee, and I want to congratulate you. Yours is a splendid attitude. Oh, shucks. It's nothing that any red-blooded American boy wouldn't have done, Judge. If he was the type guy I am... I've been all over this joint trying to get... Well, this is the first time in my legal experience, Mr. McGee, that I've had a citizen come in here voluntarily and offer to discharge his duty to his fellow man by serving on a jury. I'd just seen my duty as a citizen, and I'd done it, Judge. (laughs) Well, your appearance here is unprecedented in the annals of this court, and I wish we had more men in this town like you. Isn't that nice? You know, I'd like to have you meet Mr. McHugh, the city attorney, and uh, Mr. Ward, representing the transit company. Gentlemen... Shake hands with a public-spirited citizen. How do you do? Hi, bud. Hi, hi. I figure a guy's got to do his duty now and then, fellows. <laughs> Just because a juror gets six bucks a day don't mean a thing to me. <laughs> I figure it's my duty on a big case uh, like this. If you don't mind, Mr. McGee, uh, we'll examine you now. Huh? Oh, sure. Go right ahead and examine me, bud. Want me to take off my shirt? <laughs> I had the measles when I was six, and I broke my leg. No, no, McGee, no. Huh? The attorneys just want to ask you a few questions, Mr. McGee. Oh. They'll want to know a few things about you. Oh, well, go right ahead, fellas. I I got nothing to hide. Now, I believe we have your name and address here. You were born... In a little white house on the top of Kickapoo Hill in Peoria, bud, in the year... Uh, Never mind the details of your birth, Mr. McGee. You may assume he is a citizen, Mr. McHugh. All right. Now, you're aware that the case to be tried in this court, Mr. McGee, involves a transit company as plaintiff and the city of Wistful Vista as defendant? So help me. Uh, yes. Now, uh, have you read anything about this case in newspapers that you feel might prejudice you in listening to the evidence and rendering a fair verdict? Have I read anything in the papers? I've read every word of this case in the papers. And as far as I'm concerned, the city hasn't got a prayer. They're as guilty as a cat with feathers on its chin. Why, I wouldn't have volunteered for this job if I hadn't made a thorough study of the case. McGee. My mind's been made up for days. And I'm going to vote guilty on the first ballot and keep on voting guilty till we hang the Step down. You're excused. Did I say something? Come on, citizen. Let's go home.
Molly return in a moment. The new Johnson's Drax, D-R-A-X, will do wonders for your clothes. It's a completely new, completely different wash day aid. Drax actually makes clothes look like new, gives them a soft, smooth finish. Not a starch, not a soap. Drax is a miraculous wax rinse made only by the Johnson's wax people. It's easy to use, too. You merely add a little Drax to your final rinse or starch solution. What happens? Drax coats the fabric with invisible particles of stain-resistant, dirt-resistant wax. The result? Your clothes have that like-new look, have a soft, smooth finish. Clothes stay clean longer, too, and are easier to wash next time. They're loads easier to iron, 20% easier by actual test. Try Drax for shirts, dresses, blouses, bedspreads, anything you wash. Ask for Drax service at your laundry and dry cleaners. You'll be amazed by the smooth, like-new look your clothes have. Remember, that's Drax, D-R-A-X, made by the makers of Johnson's Wax. Ask for Drax. What you're doing, McGee? Huh? I'll bet you're sending a check to the Society for Crippled Children and Adults in Chicago for those Easter seals. No, I did that last week. This is an article I'm writing, all about the stupid way people are selected for jury duty. I think I can sell it to the Literary Digest. That's the most wonderful thing I ever heard of. Well, thank you. Particularly when you consider the Literary Digest hasn't been published for about ten years. Huh? Oh, good night. And we hope all of you listening will remember that every Easter seal you buy helps a crippled child. Good night, all. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber McGee and Molly each Tuesday night. Be with us again next week, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.